Okay, let's get ready to get into God's Word together, and um, I know this has been a crazy year um, for everyone, but we've got so much to be thankful for this year as we move towards Thanksgiving um, coming up on Thursday, and uh, I know you've got much to be thankful for even in the midst of what has been a a difficult year for so many. Um, Aren't we grateful today for God's grace and His mercies during this year, and um, what what a year. If you've got your health this year, what a year to be thankful for it, Um, and, uh, and just in so much we can be thankful for going on with the vaccines and things as things are progressing there. So just so much to be thankful for in this season and with God's mercies in our life. And so uh, we want to make sure um, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this year, however you choose to do that, uh, that we give um, gratitude where it, where it belongs. We give gratitude to God who is taking care of us, who is providing for us, um, and so much he's done for us, in particular, though, um, in Christ Jesus. That is obviously uh, what we are most grateful for. And so in Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be today, and uh, we're going to be talking about living by faith. And obviously, Jesus is the object of our faith, uh, but we're called to live by faith um, in everything that we do. Uh, we are to trust God. We are to, to follow Christ um, in every sphere of life. And Hebrews chapter 11 has been called um, the hall of faith, almost kind of like the, you know, the hall of fame. And every sport has a hall of fame, right? Um, every player would love to be in it, but they don't all make the Hall of Fame. Whether it's baseball, football, basketball, you name it, they, they don't all make the Hall of Fame. Only the best players make the Hall of Fame. Um, in baseball, though, you've got Babe Ruth or a Willie Mays or a Hank Aaron. They're all there. Ted Williams, right? You, you, you can name the greats, and you, you know they're, as a general rule, they're there. You kind of know the, the ringers for the Hall of Fame, the people that you, the shoe-ins. You know, football, you've got uh, the Jerry Rice or the Walton, Walter Payton or the Joe Montana or basketball, the Michael Jordan, the Bill Russell, the Larry Bird, they're all there. The shoe-ins are all there. And hockey, I assume they have a Hall of Fame. I have no idea. Um, But who knows? You get my point. We can't predict, we can't predict, or excuse me, we can predict who the shoe-ins are for the the Hall of Fame and these things. And we, we sometimes, we, I think we, we look at the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 and we see all these names and we think of it kind of like, you know, we call it the Hall of Faith. We look at it kind of like a Hall of Fame and we think, I don't belong there. Um, but as we read it, we begin to study it, uh, and you'll see, well, well, the shoe-ins are there. The people you would expect to be there, they're there, right? Abraham's there, Noah's there, David's there, Isaac and Jacob are there, Joseph's there. Um, but then when you study their lives back in the Old Testament, you think, well, there's a lot of reasons they could have been left out of the Hall of Faith, right? They've got sins. They've got failures. They did things that weren't faithful. They had moments in their lives they didn't look like they were living by faith, in any of these folks, right? Uh, none of them were perfect, um, yet here they are. And it's a reminder that the Hall of Faith is not a Hall of Fame. Um, it's really a Hall of Grace. All these lives lived by faith aren't lives lived, per- lives lived perfectly. It's a list of people who are impacted by God's grace, and by grace they live lives of faith. And you too can live by faith. We all should. Uh, we're called to, and these people, they're not superstars. They're trophies of grace, as we all are through faith in Christ Jesus. We're, we're trophies of God's saving grace. So what does it look like to, by God's grace, live a life of faith? Uh, where does that lead to? Uh, what should we expect in our lives as we live these kind of lives? Well, the big idea of Hebrews 11 is that everyone, uh, all believers, are to live a life by, live life by faith. It, there's no exceptions to the rule. Old Testament, New Testament, young or old, we're to live by faith. 
Uh, there are no exceptions. And the truth is, none of us do this perfectly, just like none of them in the Old Testament did it perfectly either. And this chapter is meant to challenge us to, to live by faith in every sphere, in every moment, every day of our lives. This, this challenge is meant to challenge us. That's why when he gets over to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, he, he starts talking about, hey, you're surrounded by such a great, a cloud, of, great cloud of witnesses, therefore, right? It's to inspire us in how we live. So our trust in God, our our faith in Christ, our, our, our faith in God should come to bear on every single part of our lives. That's the challenge here in Hebrews 11. And today I want us to look through a good portion of the of this chapter and glean some truths from it. And I want us to ask some questions about how we can um, diagnose if, if we're living by faith in the moment, right? How, how can we grow in our faith? Well, there's some questions that we can ask to kind of analyze our lives and to challenge ourselves to say, hey, right now, am I, am I, am I really living by faith like I should be? So look with me in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. Let's just kind of make our way through this chapter. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that, uh, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All right, let's pause there and let's talk about Abraham, this character he introduces us here. He says, uh, you, you know, you can read Abraham's story over in Genesis chapter 12, first book of the Bible there, chapter 12. Uh, Abraham comes on the scene, and in fact, in chapter 12, he's referred to as Abram. And God called Abram, or Abraham, to, to leave his home and go to a new place. In fact, let me read it to you. Genesis 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So he tells him, I want you to leave this homeland of yours, and you're going to go to a place. I'm going to show you where you're going. You just go. And God promised him in the the next few verses, if you go there and read it, that he would make him a great nation and that he'd make his name great. And this is what happened in verse 4. So Abram went, he went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, his nephew. Abraham Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Iran. So there's Abram. He, what did he do? He goes. Why did, why, did he, why did he go? Because the Lord had said to him, go. He followed God's call, and he did this by faith. So he left. He did what God told him to do, though he didn't know exactly what he was getting into, exactly where he was going. He believed God, and he went. He obeyed God. And George Guthrie notes of this passage, he says, it is important to note that the promise that his descendants would inherit the land did not come until Abraham was already in Canaan. And the promise would not be realized by Abraham himself, but his offspring. Thus, he did not go to the land to possess it, but to live out an act of obedience to God. That's all that's happening right here in those first few verses. He's just doing what God told him to do. And the writer of Hebrews says he did that by faith. He went to live in the land of promise, and it says he went there as a foreigner. He had to patiently wait and obey God. Why was Abraham willing to do this? Because he was looking past this world to the city of God. His mind was on heavenly things he says his hope was in God and the future God had for him so he was able to patiently wait and live in a land that God had promised him but he wasn't yet possessing and then he talks about Sarah 
Remember her story? She becomes pregnant with Isaac, the child of the promise, in very old age. God promised Abraham he would make him a great nation, and he promised that the child that would be born, uh, the child of the promise, would be born to Sarah. And so how did she receive power to conceive? He says, well, by faith, because her hope was in God who is faithful, and it was in God who had promised. And so she looked and expected God. Uh, they, they looked expectantly to God to fulfill his word. All right? So they just took God at his word. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So here, Abraham and his family, they, they didn't see everything come to pass. They, they died trusting God, right, in faith, that every single promise would be fulfilled. They lived as strangers. They lived as exiles. F.F. Bruce writes, he says, To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Canaan remained a promised land to the end of their days. Their descendants saw their, that fulfillment of what was a promise to the patriarchs. But to the patriarchs, that promise was sure because it was God's promise. And they staked everything on its certainty. That's how they lived their lives. They, they staked everything, believing God's promise would come to fruition, even if they didn't see all of it happen while they were living on this earth. Now, realizing this world was not their ultimate home, they desired, he says, a better country. They belonged to God. Their ultimate homeland, they sought, was, was ultimately with God. He actually says that they had been thinking of their old home, right, and going back, they would have had opportunity to return, but they weren't. Their, their eyes were heavenward the entire time. So, they, so they, that's how they were able to live in this sort of nomadic way on earth. In verse 23, he says, by faith Moses, so he's going to introduce us to a new character here. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So Moses... Moses was born when the Israelites, you might remember, were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh became concerned with how many Israelites uh, that, that, that there were, and he decided to start having all the male children put to death. But Moses' parents, they seemed to know God had a plan for Moses, and they refused to cower in fear and let their child be killed. So they hid him. And ultimately, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but ultimately he's found by Pharaoh's daughter and he's raised by her and, and all that to boot, his mother got to nurse him. It's an amazing story if you go back and read it in Exodus. And so then when Moses grows up, he chooses to identify with God's people, the Israelites, even if it meant suffering, he chose identifying with them over sin and over being identified uh, as, as, a, as, as Pharaoh's grandson ultimately. So he, he, cons he considered the reproach of Christ, it says, as greater riches. He, he's looking forward. They, remember, Old Testament, they looked forward to Christ. We look back believing that he has come. They looked forward to the promise of him coming. He was reward-focused. He valued Christ and suffering with Christ, uh, that to be greater wealth than all the money that came with being Pharaoh's adopted grandchild in Egypt. He was looking forward. 
And by faith, he says he left Egypt like, like his parents, not in fear. He didn't fear Pharaoh. His parents didn't fear Pharaoh. He didn't fear Pharaoh. He didn't walk in fear, but rather boldly walked in faith. He endured and he obeyed God. Now look at verse 32. What more, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sewn in too. They were killed with the sword. They, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Notice the contrast in that list. Some are shutting lions' mouths. Some are getting tortured. Sometimes when you live by faith, God allows you to see amazing things happen in your life and around you and in your family. Sometimes you live by faith and you are persecuted and beaten and imprisoned or even killed. The key is live by faith in your triumphs. Live by faith in your trials. By faith, you can do all God calls you to do, whether those things are triumphant or whether it's enduring difficult things. In the end, we win. In the end, we win because Christ is one. In the end, the greatest victory doesn't come in this life, but in eternity. In fact, in verses 39 and 40, he closes out the chapter with these words. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. All of these were commended. There's that word again that we talked about last week, this idea of approval. Remember, uh, we said last week that uh, it is by faith that we receive our commendation or our approval from God. And they didn't receive the fulfillment of what was promised. They had to wait for it patiently in faith in the Old Testament. But now the new covenant has come and been enacted by Christ. And one day, all believers, those who looked forward to his coming, those that look back on the fact and believe that he came and died and rose again, all believers together will enjoy resurrected bodies and life uh, forever with God. Um, all of us will be made perfect ultimately together. So as we look at this chapter, it's meant, to, it's meant to challenge us to walk by faith. And there's some challenging stories in it, right? I mean, you see people doing incredible things. You see people suffering incredible things. And you see these lives live by faith, by faith, by faith. And so am I walking by faith today? How can I better walk by faith today? So let me give you some questions to ask. Three questions that as we look at this text that, that I think it drives us to ask ourselves and our lives of faith because uh, it helps us understand what describes the life of faith. Um, and so as you answer these questions, it'll help you understand, am I walking by faith today? Are there ways that I can better walk by faith and ways I can grow in my faith? Number one, ask yourself this. Am I walking in obedience to God? Am I walking in obedience to God? Because to walk by faith is to also walk in obedience when we live by faith it always every single time manifests itself outwardly in some way and it will always manifest itself in obedience to God it's all it always impacts what we do how we behave how we act our belief will always drive our behavior what you believe will always manifest itself outwardly in what you do 
Every day when I get out of my car, I lock the doors, whether I'm at home or work or wherever. Every night before I go to bed, I make sure our doors are locked. Now, why do I do these things? Well, I believe if my car door is locked, it's less likely to be broken into. I believe if our doors are locked at night when we go to bed, our home is safer than if I just leave them unlocked. And so my belief drives my behavior, right? And it's the same way in the Christian life. If I, if I believe the promises of God, if I believe Christ, if I believe God, then ultimately it should affect what I do. And one thing it will affect is my obedience to God's commands. The first verse we read about Abraham, by faith he obeyed when he was called. Leaving home may not have been easy for Abraham. There may have been a thousand questions on his mind, but by faith he obeyed. God's call was all it took. God said it, so he went out and did what God said do. God had spoken, so obedience was demanded. It wouldn't have made any sense for Abraham to say, well, I believe you, God, and I believe you'll make me a great nation. I believe that you will make my name great, but I can't obey you and go do what you've called me to do. Well, you must not really believe because if he would have believed that, he would obey. And so he did. His, his belief, his faith drove him to obedience. Think about Moses. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkled blood, he points out in his story. And well, where did he get that idea? This idea of sprinkling, the, putting the blood over the doorpost and, 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 the, and the Passover and all that happened there um, before God brought judgment on Egypt. What, 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 what drove that? Well, God told him to. He was obeying God, instructions given to him by God. And we didn't read this verse in chapter 11, but let me read it to you now. Verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Remember, have you ever heard that story where they encircled uh, the, the walls of Jericho and they march around it and they blow the horn? And they, do, they, they do this for seven days and ultimately in the end it falls down. Well, well, all of that was about obedience. God had told them what to do. He gave them very specific instructions. This is what you're to do. And by faith they went and they did it. And God did what he said he would do. The walls fell down. All through the Bible, when you, you, see the, you see people of faith doing things, and those things are usually things God has told them to do. They're living in obedience. They're obeying God. Faith says yes to whatever God says do. One way to always know that you're not walking by faith in that moment is when you're walking in disobedience. In disobedience, we're refusing to trust God in that moment, with that moment, with that act. It doesn't make sense to say, I trust you, God, but refuse to do what God has said do. Our actions speak louder than our words. Faith always has feet, and those feet are always walking in the path of God's revealed will. That, that's just where faith wants to go. I trust you, God, but I don't need your input into my finances. Makes no sense. I trust you, God, but I can handle my relationships without your wisdom. That makes no sense. I trust you, God, but I live by my rules, not your rules. That makes no sense. By faith, we obey. Let me ask you, are you walking in obedience? Are there areas where you're refusing to honor God and obey God? Overall, is your life characterized by obedience to God's word or rebellion to it? People who live by faith live in obedience to God's word. We don't do it perfectly. But if there's, but if there's areas in your life that you can grow and, and become more obedient and better obey God and line up with God's will, that means there are areas you can grow in your faith. And then the more we trust God, the more we'll obey God. Let's walk by faith. Number two, second question. Am I living with anticipation of the fulfillment of God's promises? Back in verse 10, it tells us Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He says in verse 16, um, he, he says of, of these people, he says, 
of the Old Testament. He says, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. In verse 39 of chapter 11, he says, all these, though commended through faith, did not receive what was promised, right? These passages point out the forward-looking nature of faith, the anticipation of faith. Abraham was looking past what he could see. He was looking past this world to a home with God. He was anticipating that God would fulfill his promise to him even if he didn't see everything in this life. Dr. Al Mohler writes, Abraham framed his entire existence by living in anticipation of the fact that God would be faithful to his promises. In other words, Abraham was faithful in the present because of his obedience and what God would do in the future, right? So his faith in anticipating what God was going to do began to affect what he was doing in his daily life. The same is true for the all these that it points out in verse 39. The Old Testament saints didn't get to see the Messiah be born, pay for our sins on the cross, and, and rise again. They, 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 they passed away before that happened. Many who have died since then didn't get to see Christ return before they died. And we don't know that we'll see it happen before we die. But we anticipate the better future. We anticipate that great day. We anticipate, we expect that God will do what he said he's going to do and fulfill his promises, even if we don't see it all in this life. We need to live today with great anticipation or expectancy that God will fulfill every one of his promises, and that should begin to shape our lives. Christ will return. I will have a glorified body one day and live with God forever. The new heaven and the new earth are a certain future for me. And they will not be stained by sin or sickness or any of the brokenness of this world. These, these are things that should, we should anticipate. Jesus will rule and reign and all earthly trials will cease one day. That anticipation of our better country, of the city built by God, is a promise that we need to live in light of every single day, every moment of what we're doing. It should shape our decisions. It should shape our values. Think about that. The things we value and don't value, and, and it should shape our lives. Let me ask you, does your life say, Jesus is coming back? I don't know when, but he's coming back. Does the way you live your life say, this world is not my ultimate home? Heaven is real. God is real. I'm going to spend eternity with God. There's more to existence than this world. Does, does, does your life shout that? That's a life of anticipating the fulfillment of God's promises. That's the life of faith. You know, as a kid, I loved Christmas. Still do. But I mean, as a kid, you know, just anticipating all that, that December 25th. And I remember having the little, uh, we had a little chain in my house one year. I remember where it had 25 little rings on it and red and green. And you would tear one off day by day. And you could just see that chain getting shorter and shorter, meaning you, you were getting closer to Christmas. And I didn't know what the month of December held. I didn't know what was going to happen on the 12th or the 15th or the 17th. But I knew the 25th was going to be awesome, right? And I didn't know everything I was going to get. I was, I was fortunate that I always got some stuff I had asked for. Um, but, but, I, but there was just this anticipation because I knew that was going to be an awesome day. Christmas was coming and I was just waiting for it, right? Now, nowadays, you know, um, our kids just say, you know, Alexa, how many days to Christmas? And Alexa says, it's blah, blah, blah. And so times have, have obviously changed, right? But the point is, they live with anticipation too. Waiting, asking, how, when's Christmas? How much far is Christmas, right? And here's my point. We're, we're supposed to kind of live life um, anticipating God's promises, the fulfillment of his promises like Christ returning. Eternity with God. 
like a kid waiting on Christmas. There's supposed to be an eagerness and excitement and anticipation and expectancy that it helps us through this life when things get hard. We, we, we know, yes, this life can be hard at times. Bad things happen, but a better day is coming. We, we, we hang on to that. We believe God. We take him at his word that he's going to fulfill his promises. Faith looks beyond this life and what we can see. Faith takes God at his word, even the things that have not happened yet, the things that we can't see, the things that we might not see in this life. In Hebrews 11, verses 20 through 22, another little passage that we didn't read kind of helps support this. He says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, went, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave, and gave directions concerning his bones. The anticipation, right? future blessings, blessing, uh, blessing his sons. Um, uh, Joseph, at the end of his life, mentioning the exodus that, that would take place, looking forward to even things that they weren't going to get to see. Are you living with anticipation? Do you expect God to fill every promise in his word? Uh, Do you have a faith that takes your eyes to the future, to heaven, to life with God, to Christ's return, to the ultimate fulfillment of all God's promises, even the ones that we won't taste in this life, potentially? If we live with the expectancy that God will fulfill and keep every promise, it will shape our lives in various ways. It'll change what we value and it'll it'll, it'll impact us at a very core level. It will fill our lives with more joy. It will fill our lives with more peace. It will fill our lives with less worry and less fear because it will fill our lives with more confidence in God. Number three, am I willing to take bold risk to follow God? Am I willing to take bold risk to follow God? Listen to the examples of bold risk taking in this chapter. It was a bold risk from an earthly perspective for Abraham to leave home and follow God's call to an unknown land. It was a bold risk for Abraham to take his son to the altar and to be ready to sacrifice him. We didn't, we, we didn't focus on that passage today, but that, that's one of the passages here in Hebrews 11 where he goes to the altar, he obeys God, and he's, he's ready to sacrifice his son because he just believes that God will raise him from the dead, the son of the promise, Isaac. And of course, God spares him his son and provides a lamb, a ram. It was a bold risk for Moses' parents to hide him, to defy Pharaoh in order to protect their son. It was a bold risk for Moses to identify with God's people and to suffer with them even as opposed to Pharaoh's grandson. As Pharaoh's grandson. See, here's the point. The Christian life, the life of faith, is not a safe life. Uh, There's no promise that it's a a safe life in the scriptures. It's It's a life of faith that leads to obedience and this can be risky from an earthly perspective. Jesus doesn't promise us that we won't die for following him. He doesn't promise us that we won't encounter conflict if we follow him or suffering. In fact, the New Testament tells us that we'll be persecuted. It warns of being hated by the world. From this world's perspective, there are risks involved. In particular, think about Moses' parents. They chose to defy a Pharaoh and defy his evil order and not to allow their son to have his life taken, but to hide him and to protect their son. In other words, they chose to fear God rather than to fear man. You know, many times when we refuse to take bold risks for God, it's because we fear man more than we fear God in that moment. We fear what people are going to think. We fear what people are going to say. We fear what's going to happen to us. And so we don't obey God. And rather than obey God, we fear man. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that the fear of man is a snare. Now we know that the real risk is in not obeying. (laughs) 
if God is God and the God's word is true, and it is, and he is, the real risk is in not obeying. Because when we trust and follow Christ, our eternity we know is safe and secure. There is no eternal risk, but to deny him is to reap the consequences of that. That's eternally, eternally bad. Living a life of faith is not simply about attending church, hearing sermons, trying to be a good person. It's about following Christ wherever he leads and doing whatever he calls us to do. It's about living on mission. You may need to take a risk to share your faith. You may need to take a risk to obey God's commands. You may need to risk a relationship or some comfort or some security or some some earthly gains in some way to do things God has called you to do. I'm not saying risk for the sake of risk. I'm saying faith goes where God says go. It does what God says do. And at times that creates friction. It creates difficulty, suffering, pain, and challenges. And if we spend our lives trying to avoid all of those things, we will not live by faith. It can't be done. The end of the chapter, we saw that Some people, by faith, shut the mouths of lions, like Daniel, or quench the power of fire, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But sometimes the lion devours, and the fire consumes in this life. That's why there's the second list that we read. It doesn't always work out the same. The first group took risks and at times found themselves in trying times and experienced miracles. The second group found themselves in prisons and put to death. Both lived by faith. They were willing to take risks to live boldly because they believed. They believed God. They believed his promises. What risk might you need to take today? Is there someone you've been needing to share the gospel with? Is there something God is calling you to do that that you haven't been willing to do, you've been too fearful to do? Let me encourage you to walk in faith today, to live boldly, to be willing to to risk to obey. Uh, It's too risky not to obey. By faith, we can walk in obedience. But by faith, we can anticipate the, the fulfillment, we should anticipate the fulfillment of God's promises, and we should take bold risk for God's glory. Because Jesus came. What, what they were looking forward to, we look back and know that it's happened, and we look forward to him returning again. And Jesus came, and he was obedient, right? He was obedient. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians tells us, suffering for our sins, dying in our place. Paying our sin debt. Risk? Jesus gave his life for us. Gave his life for us. Laid it down for you and for me. Anticipation? The Bible tells us in Jesus, all God's promises find their yes in him. He he has come to fulfill, I mean, the the, the old covenant. Jesus is going to come back. It's him that we look to and look for in anticipation. The life of faith is a life of trusting and following Jesus. So have you? Have you trusted Jesus? Have you turned from your sin and embraced Christ and believed that he's the son of God who lived a sinless life, who died in your place for your sins, that he's risen again? Have you turned away from your sin and put your faith in him? We encourage you to do so today. The life of faith can begin to day. It's not promised to be a life of roses and a life of luxury. Sometimes it can be a life of pain and, and discomfort and trying times, but, but there's, great, there's great promise. There's, there's great reward. There's, there's eternity spent with God. There's God himself through faith in Christ. We get a relationship with God. Do you know God? I would encourage you today to call on him, to, to call on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved if you haven't been. If you've got questions about what it means to follow Christ, reach out to us, email us at info at gonorthpark.com. Or if you call on the Lord Jesus today and put your faith and trust in him to save you, let us know so we can pray with you and help you 
use that same email and reach out to us at info at gonorthpark.com. And believers, let's, let's today ask God to help us to live by faith, to, to obey even when it's hard, even, even when it's uncomfortable, even when, it's, um, even when there's a temptation not to. Let, let's obey. Let, let's anticipate uh, the fulfillment of all of God's promises, and let's be willing to take risk to do what God's called us to do for the sake of his glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for your word and for the faith that you call us to. Help us to live by faith. None of us do it perfectly. We stumble, we fall, but we thank you by your grace we can live lives of faith. And Lord, we pray that you'd grow us in our faith, mature us in our faith, stretch us in our faith, that we might better um, glorify you. Lord, I pray for anybody watching today that's never trusted Christ, that today, that that they wouldn't go forward with this day without pausing to turn away from their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ. Lord, we want to live lives of faith. We want to see more people called to faith in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we say let it be so. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.